All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, this is former NHL referee Kerry Fraser. I'm here at Nasty Knuckles. Please join us with Riles and Nasty. You're listening to Nasty Knuckles, the Hockey Outlaws podcast. With your hosts, Terry Nasty, Sotomayor, and former Philadelphia Flyer Enforcer, Riley Cote, as they go behind the scenes with your favorite NHL players. Time to face off. All right, welcome back. What's happening, Nasty? What's up, Regarelia? What are you doing there, brother? Just hanging out, man. Checking out that new jersey rocking. Oh, dude. You got going on there. I thank Steve Russo and Matt Denise. Their uh, roller hockey team a couple weeks ago, uh, as you know, called and wanted us to uh, sponsor uh, their team, use, use the logo, and they did a, what they called a Miami Vice-type unis. They're really Love cool. it. Super uh, cool. Yeah, I really like them. They have the – Billy oh, Scott yeah. and everything, and uh, it was really nice. And they made us a couple, so uh, I felt like I should rock it today. Uh, they kind yeah. of the Miami well heat, uh, down there in Miami. The the heat they wear a Miami Vice is what they call it uh, style jersey. I don't know if it's on the weekends or just one night a week, but anyway, that's where they got the idea. The kids came up with it, man. They're super cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I felt like I'd rock it for the boys. They uh, they came up a little short. They lost in the um, boys and girls. 
they came up uh, just a little short in the uh, finals there, but uh, they'll be playing some more this summer. They have a few more tournaments. So we are going to get out to a couple of them, you and I, and um, support yeah. them. We made some really cool T-shirts and hats as well um, that will be up on the site. Also, I just really like the colors. Had a lot of people coming in the shop, and they love the colors that uh, we put together on those shirts and hats. So, uh, anyway, yeah, absolutely, then, looks good. Uh, yeah, man, love it. I uh, have another team that uh, has reached out and wants to uh, have us sponsor their team uh, coming up soon, and just putting the jerseys together now, man. They look pretty cool, but I'll save that till they're done. Oh yeah, but you uh, going anyway, retro. Throwback. Uh, since we uh, last talked, the the playoffs, you know, we're in the second round now, and it's been a little bit of a shit show in some of these series. Uh, no doubt. Florida, just you know, man, I don't even know what to say about that series. <laughs> I did not see it going that I way. I did not see that coming. But Tampa knows how to win, man. I'll tell you, they they shows you they just know how to win. They know how to win, and. It's amazing that every year they put in different pieces, but I tell you, they, they're doing their homework, man. That Matthew Darsh, uh, he's assistant yep. in there, and they just, they're putting in the homework. I mean, they're fourth line. I think we yep. talked about it, but with Belly, mm-hmm. Matty Maroon, and, and uh, Corey Perry. Corey Perry at 20 goals this year, man. I know. What, a, what an addition. I, I feel like if you're a GM that passed up on a veteran, you know, physical presence like that, yeah, uh, to me, it's like such a too. such a great pickup, such a oh, grinder. Man. It's it's amazing to me, and he's got a, you know, I I want to say he's got four or five goals in the playoffs. I could be one off, but uh, I should have probably checked that before we jumped on. But anyway, uh, Patty Maroon scoring another big goal the other yeah. day. I hated to see Florida go out. I I had said before with you that I felt like Bob was the key. Bob was lights out in my mind. I know, right? Yeah, I Nothing. agree. It wasn't. Uh, but some I'll of those tell goals. You, if if people don't believe this, Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the world after what he just did. I know guys missed open nets, but I mean they did have a lot of shots, and this guy just turned up, turned it up at a level. And yeah, he looks like he can't be scored on. I mean, legitimately, looks like he cannot be scored on. But yeah, you just camp a credit, man. They. They know how to win. And, you know, I agree. I The thing that I thought really killed Florida, obviously, was the play at the end of the game with mm-hmm. about three seconds ago and both demon go behind the net. What a brain uh, fart. Casey Kucherov, like, what What could you be thinking there? Oh, my God. Just a meltdown. Break, I mean, breakdown completely. I literally – my jo- my mouth was wide open. I, w- I could not believe what I saw, and, and I feel terrible uh, – I think it was Montour, wasn't it, that, that went flying mm-hmm. behind that? If if I'm wrong there, Travis, just scratch that. But anyway, um, that was hard. But you, you lose a game like that, I mean, it, that's as bad as losing a f- triple overtime game to me. Yeah. You lose it two seconds to go in a game. Oh, yeah. That's playoffs even, you know. Crushing. So I was worried for them then after that because I'm like, yeah, if they get through this and grab a win here, it's obviously a totally different series, but did mm-hmm. not happen. So, no. fortunately, Florida, it seems like always rigs if you really look at it. I wonder what the percentages are. We'll have to get baller on that for the President Trophy winning team to win the cup. How many times that actually happens. Um, yeah, that'd be an interesting one. 
you know, I have no clue. A regular season, scoring four plus goals a game, they could not score on this guy, man. I know. Goran Vasilevsky it was it was amazing. Yeah. No, I know top to bottom, Tampa. You know they're just built to win. You know they have the experience; they've done it before. But I feel like you said it earlier. Every off season, they're replacing some pieces, but equally is as productive as is the pieces they're replacing. And you know you got the goaltending, you got the scoring, you got the physical play, like you know every part of the game, experience all the way down the line. Um, so I mean. <laughs> It's incredible. I did not see that coming. I, 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 you said it. I mean, I don't think anybody saw it coming. I thought it was more of a dog fight, honestly. Yeah. Um, but man, you know, Tampa, you know what? Man. I think Riles, and this is totally just my opinion. Um, I felt like before game one, I was watching uh, the pregame, and I, I listened to Vermette coach, and he was he was talking about how the year before they were so wound up about playing Tampa and, and the rivalry that had uh, started with these two teams. I felt like that first game, they were way too relaxed. As yeah. far as not, dude, it's the playoffs. You got to get in people's faces. You got to try and piss them off. Neither That's team. It. it was like yeah. watching, I would say a preseason game, but at the beginning of the season, if you remember these two teams played and it was <laughs> like a playoff game, they were fighting. Right. It, I just felt like, Florida didn't have that energy, and I know they don't have a lot of toughness, but like it took them. Well, that, that was probably it. It was like you know, like Tampa was probably waiting for it because yeah. you know the, the, they got the muscle. They, Florida they really can't play that yeah. way. Um, yeah, it just to me that that first game, I was like, man, it just it just lacked emotion to me for a playoff game of two teams that actually have created a rivalry there in Florida, which is yeah, right. Sure. Um, but anyway, uh, moving on, uh, Carolina and, um, Carolina wins their first. Two that games. one's heating up. They, they snuck them out though. They were big yeah. win. Rangers come back and answer, uh, hold serve. Yeah, that one's so, heating up. They're getting a little more physical. Yeah. And, well, Revo uh, was getting a little more aggressive. We got to see him and uh, D'Angelo going after I it. Love it man. I really oh, do. Man, I like you, you, you hate him or you love him, whatever it is, but uh, he's not an overly big guy, which you know. But no, you, he's got he balls, man. Down. He doesn't back down. And uh, I kind of like what uh, Gallant said the other day. You know, he was talking about it after he doesn't like all the yapping, but to me, it makes it interesting when those guys are in sure. debate and, and you can see how much they care and how much they want to win. Uh, but him saying that we have the guys to answer that. We got the guys. Yeah. Revo. <laughs> For yes, <sure>. you do. <laughs> yeah. Carolina, it, it's probably true too. You correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, their toughest guy probably is D'Angelo. Like he can fight. Now he doesn't. Oh yeah. He can. Yeah. But, but, but he can fight. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen him fight before. He's a, he's a scrappy dude, but, he, you yeah. know, he, that would so, be a bad trade-off anyways. I'm not sure that would be overly yeah, beneficial for 100%, 100%. Carolina. But, yeah, you did, again, you just you just don't play into the, that hand, you know, because um, you're not going to win. Um, and, that, uh, that, that, that part of it. Sherrod slayed some uh, guys out with Sidney Crosby and caught Domi the other night, and, and – I honestly don't think it was purposely. Uh, Domi was kind of losing his edge, but it is kind of funny how Truba's had two headshots that 
you know, I thought the one on Sid could have been a penalty. Everyone was going back and forth about that. That, that that's neither here nor there now. But uh, um, the series is interesting now. Going back to Carolina, it's it's going oh, yeah. to watch. Um, and we got to talk about Chief, the Blues in Colorado. That Colorado team, man, they're just I I'm mean, so good. <laughs> hard to stop, you know. Yeah. Uh, and Cadre's. I, this time, I think Kadri's innocent. I was actually talking to Chief this morning, and, uh, you know, he didn't say anything bad. He just was like, you know, this guy's having a series. He's under people's skin. That's what he does. But I, to me, um, that the play on Bennington, I really don't think he had any intention on hurting him or even I agree. Really running him. Yeah. So. I've, I've seen way worse. I, I, I agree with you. To me, that was a strong hockey play. The puck was right there for the taking. Their defender bumped him, clearly somewhat. Was there a bit of embellishment? Maybe. Who knows? But to me, I've seen I've seen way worse. It was an honest play than that. It wasn't a deliberate run. Uh, right. But it fueled him up. I mean, he's more involved in the series. I know he's getting death threats and all this other stuff, all this crazy stuff going on. But, I mean, he's, a, he's effective. He's involved. Um, I hate to play against guys like that because you want to – Pick your heads off, but did you see what he was he was doing his interview? And I guess Benner threw a water bottle at him. Oh yeah, yeah, I did see that. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Ball or something. Message sending. Yeah, message sender. (laughs) The old water bottle toss. The way they made it sound, and obviously we weren't there to see it, but you know, Cadre's doing his interview, and he kind of like looks over. He goes, "I think you kind of laughed too, didn't he?" (laughs) But what do you do? Throw it and run. Like what? Yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I thought Kadri laughed at from the one I saw. Anyways, he smiled. Yeah. And then, which uh, could try, buddy. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I talked to Chief this morning. I said you just gotta you gotta find a way to steal another game there on the road and just take it one at a time. Obviously, everybody knows that, so it's gonna be a tough, yeah. tough job going in there. That that team is uh, they're scary, man. Oh yeah. But uh, the Battle of Alberta. Uh, wow. Edmonton with the upper hand. I, I wasn't. I, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't. I didn't see that happening. It's not over. Obviously, you got to go back to Calgary now and play tomorrow. But the hit on Smitty um, by Lucic. Oh yeah. I guess you could call it a hit. But <laughs> I I really didn't think he ran him. Quote unquote ran him, and. My favorite part about that was, well, one, that Smitty wasn't hurt. It was great. Right. Uh, but Daryl Sutter after the game and his post games, you know, they're, they're so good. They yeah. asked him about it, and he goes, he goes, oh, he got a charging penalty, right? I think that's what he said. And, and they were like, yeah. He goes, could you imagine if Luch actually charged him? <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, that's so true. I really didn't think that it was a five-minute major. I I really did not. I thought oh, he helped out. He did bump into him. Those are those things, you know, everybody talks about, the goalie coming out of the crease. I know you can't run the goalie, but Smitty comes out. Smitty, actually, for a goalie, he's one of the t- toughest, phys- most physical goalies. He kind of looks for it. He always has his whole career. We've mm-hmm. told stories about it before. I remember when he was younger, he was a little crazier. But – um. He's playing well, man, and, and uh, you know, he didn't get hurt, thank goodness, but I think usually Smitty would jump up and try to drop the mitts, but it was so Luch. So it was the Luch, you know, yeah. 
Lucha's coming in hot, man. Lucha's moving, moving well. He was coming in on the four check, man. He's yeah. moving the pins and <laughs> squeezed through the crease. I, I just think if he really wanted to hit him, he could. Oh, yeah. I agree with that, man. He would destroy him. Uh, but I just didn't expect that to to be a five minute. And and the one other thing I forgot to bring up quickly, and it has nothing to do with anything now, was the Hagel hit uh, right. against Florida. I thought that was a gutless play. I don't think the mm. kids. A, a dirty player, but for that not to get a five minute with a guy off balance going to the boards, he's less than four feet away from the boards, and to give him a nudge like that, that could have been ugly. Oh, yeah, and I agree. Well, the game happens fast, and I don't think he did it purposely, but I definitely thought that was more than a two minute penalty. But you know, I'm not a ref, and that's just what it is. But anyway, we look like one. Oh, I, I, I told you what I want to do. I want to be a. I want to umpire one that one game in uh, MLB at first base, just so when they do a routine out, you know, second base, throw to first. I just want to yeah. do that. Oh yeah. Not, I don't want nice to and ca- nice and casual, nice and casual, I just, right? I love when they do that when they just give yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice uh, and I don't soft. Nice and gentle. Yeah, sure. No, no way. Yeah, I know, right? Thank our Shoot guest that one up. week, Mr. Kerry Frazier. Um, should be in the NHL Hall of Fame as a referee. Absolutely. One day he will be. But, man, we could have had him here for hours with the stories he has. And uh, oh yeah, good dude. And uh, we, we really appreciate him coming in. It was awesome. Absolutely. To get him again in the studio for 2.0 because you said it. I mean, the stories, we didn't even crack the seal on those bad boys. I know. He's sitting know. there for days. I know, we did. So, like, we're ready to rock. Episode 75, Nast. Let's do it. Presented to you by our good friends at Cureleaf, cureleaf.com, medical marijuana dispensary in Pennsylvania. Check them out. Let's go, Nast. Let's do it. Welcome back. I'm Riley Cote. And I'm Derek Suttlemeyer. And this week, we are so happy to have Mr. Kerry Frazier. What's up, Kerry? How are you, man? Boys, I got to tell you, it's it's good to see you. Uh, I have flashbacks when I see faces of, of guys that I was involved with throughout my 30-year NHL career. And uh, as soon as I saw you, it was like Riles hitting the freaking <laughs> speed bag, yeah. the heavy bag, and working out with the, with the fight trainer. And you... Running around, you know, equipment guys need this, need that. Nasty, where are you? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's, you were always found though. They I found you. They usually found me. <laughs> I was buzzing, I was around, buzzing around, probably doing ADHD nothing. ADHD kicking in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, just hyper as hell. Still doing the same thing around here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Quick showers, disappearing. Couldn't find him this morning. Yoga. Yeah. Yoga. Yeah. yeah. Yoga. That's, all, that's all he does. Um, that's all he does. So he gives me shit all the time. But um, we are so thankful to have you here, man. You are a busy, busy man. You have so much going on. Young, busy young man getting ready to turn 70. Yeah. Years young. Yeah. You don't look at it all. Keep the and, feet moving. Yep. You, right. you do. Yeah, and you, you know, you you have a lot of stuff going on. We're going to talk about it today. But um, man, I my, my first thing, um, I've known you a long time. I've uh, been fortunate enough to be friends with you and your, and your family and your kids. And now you're uh, your son-in-laws even yeah. um but gano dude like i want to golf 
like take me golfing, bro. Uh, but this guy's everywhere. But anyway, um, I, I was just going to ask you right away: is like, uh, how did you? When did your love of hockey start, and when did you? Uh, Realize you wanted to be a referee. Well, first of all, uh, I'm a Canadian, eh? And uh, <laughs> so my dad played pro hockey. Uh, he was in the International Hockey League. Uh, he played in Scotland when he was 19 years old in the Scottish International Hockey League. Uh, they were all Canadian guys. They had a tryout at Toronto uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. And uh, my dad grew up with Bill Barilko, who was a Toronto Maple Leaf. Disappeared. Uh, that's killed right. in the plane crash yeah, uh, after scoring the song. winning goal uh, to win the Stanley Cup for the Leafs. So dad stayed oh. at Bill's place and uh, wow. the tryout that's, thing. That's and amazing. He made the team, made the league, and they went over on a ship. And uh, he played in Falkirk for a year. Uh, I may have some relatives over there as a result. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe siblings. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, with the last name Fraser... Um, He's got that Scottish ancestry that we all have. Uh, so I was skating when I was 15 months old. As soon as I Incredible. could walk, wow. I would go to dad's practices and uh, the trainer would put my skates on and I'd go out and, and I had a stick that held up. As soon as I could walk, I was banging a puck in, uh, yeah. in our kitchen. And uh, we lived with, uh, took care of my, uh, my great-grandfather and uh, he had a cane and he was the goalie. Yeah. So I was like a year old, and I'm I'm whacking pucks at him and balls, and so the love of the game as a Canadian is instilled in us. We grew up on backyard rinks. Uh, I played uh, AAA All Star hockey from from Pee Wee Bantam Midget, and then went on to play junior. Uh, I finished playing junior A uh, as the captain of the Sarnia team. Uh, Mark Howe was the last player that I played against uh, that. Played in the NHL. Wow. Uh, he was with the Detroit Junior Red Wings. Uh, his mom, Colleen, was the general manager of the team. And, and Billy Day was the uh, was the coach, former Red Wing. Uh, so I was a good little player. Uh, my dad was also a boxer, Riley. You'll, no, no you'll, way. Yeah, and he was really a tough guy. Forearms like Popeye. He had the anchors on them. And uh, so he taught me how to fight when I was 12 years old uh, in our kitchen. And... Uh, He'd knock me down, and, and he'd say, you got to keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. And boom, I'd go down. He'd just, you know, open palm, slap me down. And uh, I got it. I, I finally <laughs> got it. And I was a lefty, and I had bony hands, and, and I could cut guys, and I hated bullies. Absolutely hated bullies. So we were playing AAA midget. We had five guys on our team that went on to play in the NHL. Wayne Merrick was uh, a four-time Stanley Cup winner. Uh, we had Bob Neely, first pick. Uh, of the Toronto Maple Leafs on D. He was six foot at that time playing midget. So we had some really good players. And we were playing in this, uh, you'll love this, we were playing in the aftermath of the Silver Stick Tournament for midget players. It was called the Silver Blades. We're playing in Port Huron, McMoran Arena. We're in the final. We're playing against this Michigan team, and they had a big guy on defense that was dirty, and he was sticking our guys. And, and Dad, the coach, said, boys, be disciplined, be disciplined. We're going to win the game. Win the game. So no penalties. Okay. So five minutes left with all these big guys on the team. Taps me on the shoulder. He said, go teach that big guy a lesson. (laughs) (laughs) I could fight better scared than they could mad typically. (laughs) And you know what's easier to punch up than it is down? So I speed bag this guy with both hands, cut him over both eyes. We get thrown out of the game. I'm in the dressing room. The guys come in. We win the championship. Everybody's excited. And uh, I hear this argument out in the hallway. And I hear my dad's voice. And he slipped in the dressing room, locked the door. He came over. He put his arm around me. He said, listen, Carrie. He said, I'm, 
really proud, proud of the way you took care of that kid. He said he needed to be taught a lesson. He was dirty, and he's a bully. He said, well, you took the kid. I don't think you can take his mother. She's out there waiting for you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, it gets better. Listen, her mom. <laughs> he said, I'm serious. we got to get you out of here. She's not leaving. She's waiting for you to come out. I said, okay, well, what do we do? He said, you see that stick bag? I weighed 115 pounds. (laughs) Come on. on. Get in the stick bag. The old man threw me over his shoulder, zipped me up, and away we go. Walked past the mother. Wow. That is amazing. She was checking all the faces of my teammates. Impressive. That's amazing. Well, how old were you then? I was uh, midgets, uh, 15, 16. 16, yeah. Uh, so I go away to play junior. I went to Hamilton Red Wings. Eddie Bush was coaching there. And uh, I went through training camp, and I was, I was too small. I was like 122 pounds. I really beefed up that summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wasn't on that plan you were on, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> you were playing. I didn't do the yoga. The seafood, yeah, the seafood yeah, yeah, diet, exactly. right? Yeah. So I, I, uh, I'm not going to make the team, uh, but he wanted me to be around. So he said, I'm from Collingwood, and they're starting a new junior B team up there the Collingwood Blues. I'd like to send you there. I said, okay, I'll go. So uh, first game, we're playing the Kitchener Rangers. I'm looking back for a pass. Chris Ahrens, who draft pick of the Minnesota North Stars, big defenseman, he was, he was close to six foot at that point, and he elbowed me right in the head. And I'm, he got two minutes for elbowing. I'm deer in the headlights. I'm staggering back to the bench, shake the cobwebs out. I went, holy jeez, first shift, first game. I got to do something about this. They had a bigger guy than Aaron's on defense, and I went out and fought him, and I beat him. Again, punching up. And so when a little guy beats a big guy, it's embarrassing, right? It's, oh, yeah. it's almost for them, it's a lose-lose, yeah, right? Because right, exactly. if he does beat you, yeah, he's wow, supposed look, to. look at you. Yeah. you know, but well, <laughs> he wanted a second round because he wasn't going to settle with the fact that he got beat, and I beat him again. And I thought, man, this is great. I, I'm <laughs> going to go fun. through the league and get... The big guys, and I did pretty good, and everyone they left me alone. Wow, a little street cred, right? Yeah, the for word sure. went out. Yeah. yeah, I was just up in Collingwood for uh, their Hall of Fame induction thing, and I was their keynote speaker, and uh, it was great to reconnect with some of the guys. I only lived there one year, but man, you know how certain uh, locations have a real yes. impact on yeah. you. And at seventeen, first time away from home, and and. Uh, so one of the guys that uh, was playing for St. Thomas uh, from up there, he said, man, he said, I told our tough guy uh, when we went to St. Thomas to play, he said, watch out for that guy. Like, <laughs> leave him alone. He, he, you know, he's, and he's a lefty. So we ended up getting in a fight, and I really gave it to this guy. <laughs> so he said, we're sitting in the dressing room, and uh, he said, uh, one of our other guys said, uh, hey, Rick, uh, can you give us a tip on anybody else that is out there on that team that can fight? And we had Frank Beaton on our team, right? Uh, Frankie played in the world hockey, and they call him Frank never been beaten until he lost one, and then it was seldom beaten. <laughs> so he didn't know, the guys didn't know about him because the, the guy said, yeah, give us a tip so we don't get our ass kicked like our tough guy. <laughs> yeah, right? That's great. Anyway, how did I become a referee? Nobody ever wants to be a referee. I had a whole bunch of uh, Division I U.S. scholarship offers uh, at the end of my last year. Undrafted, little guy, um, Ted Garvin, who was who played pro with my dad, was coaching Port Huron in the IHL and went on to coach the Detroit Red Wings for a bit. And Ted changed my diapers. He saw me as a kid. And uh, he said, listen, you're a good little player. You play tough. You're not going to make the NHL. 
and you can play in our league and you can probably play in the American League, but the way you play, you're going to get hurt. He said, why don't you get into officiating? And he handed me a brochure to a referee school. This is 1972, world hockey coming okay. in, mm. opportunity for players for all aspects of the game. So I filled in this, uh, this brochure, paid 250 bucks for a five-day camp up in Halliburton, uh, north of Toronto. After day four, I refereed 10 minutes of an uh, intermediate league quality game. Got off, and I didn't know what I was doing, guys, honest to God. I mean, <laughs> but I could skate, and I understood the game as right. a player. So I get off the ice, and uh, Mr. Frank Udvery, Hockey Hall of Fame referee, assistant director of officiating, meets me in the officials room. He said, Kerry, listen, I really like what I saw, and I'd like to invite you to NHL training camp for officials. Wow. He said, but it's going to happen in like three days. So I got to check with Scotty Morrison, referee-in-chief, to see if there's room for you. I get home from Halliburton, wee hours of the morning on Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, I get a phone call, Frank Adveri. Yep, we got you all set, there's room for you, we want you to come on Sunday, uh, you report at the uh, Hilton uh, on uh, Airport Road in Toronto, uh, 6 o'clock, and this is what you bring, it's a 10-day camp, so be prepared. Great. Uh, I'm excited, right? I'm going to the NHL officials camp, and I'd never refereed a game in my life. So I'm so excited. I pack all my stuff, and, and I'm ready, and I want to get there you know, early. I don't want to be late. So 3 o'clock in the morning, I, I drive from my hometown in Sarnia, 180 kilometers, uh, you know, 150 miles or so to uh, Toronto. I get to the front desk. I'm all proud. Eh? I'm 20 years old. Chest puffed out. Kerry uh, Fraser uh, here for the NHL uh, referees training camp. The night clerk looked at me and said, man, he said, you're here awful early. We thought you were coming in at 6 o'clock tonight. Oh, no. Uh, I got the 6 o'clock uh, part. But uh, <laughs> it was peeing. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what an experience. Oh, my God. Think about your rookie time at an NHL team camp, right? Yeah. And you look around that room and you see all these guys. And, like, I never paid attention to referees, but I knew who some of these veterans were. And... I, as a rookie uh, and as a player, I knew enough to keep my mouth shut and my ears open, and I'd learn a lot. So the game was brutal back then. We're talking 72. This is Broad Street Bullies. Right. This is, you know, the... Stick the, work. Oh, oh yeah. Bench clearing calls, the whole deal. Yeah. You mentioned stick work. So we were going through the rule book, rule by rule by rule, after in the afternoon uh, after, a, you know, robust uh, on-ice sessions. And uh, so... Uh, there was a rule back then for spearing. You could, the ref could assess a two-minute penalty or a five-minute penalty for spearing. So I'm sitting beside uh, Lloyd Gilmore, who did the Russian uh, game in Philadelphia when the Russians oh, left the ice. Oh, right. wow. Yeah, we had Lou Nolan in a few weeks ago, and he was telling us that Lloyd story. hardly called any penalties, right? Right. So I said, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Gilmore, I, I'm sitting beside him. I said, what's the difference between a two-minute penalty and a five-minute penalty for spearing? He said, well, kid, if you see the stick go in, it's two minutes. If you see it come out the back, it's fine. <laughs> what an answer, though. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was Lloyd. Yeah, that's go. awesome. It's funny you said he, he didn't call a lot of penalties. He, he called a delay a game on the yeah, Russian know, day right? yeah. before when Mr. Snyder went to get him. He ended up giving them a penalty. Lou thought that was that hilarious was because of the, the hard you know hit on uh, who, Ed Van Amp. Yeah. Hit, hit the guy. Flyers uh, had a bench-clearing brawl. Lloyd's referee in the game. Scotty Morrison called him. He said, Lloyd, 
We had you had a bench clearing brawl. He said you only called two minor penalties for roughing. What's <laughs> <laughs> going on? He didn't oh, want to do all the, the no, no uh, too much paperwork. Yeah, he yeah, wants yeah. to go to the bar. That's amazing. I, I, we could have you on here all day oh, and night man, for this awesome. everything you've seen. It, it really is amazing. I mean, uh, you know, you did the World Cup of Hockey. You've done everything. Ninety six. You yep. did uh, ninety eight in Nagano, the Olympics. Um, but man, like it's your job that you had, and these jobs that these officials have. I'm telling you, man, it's a tough. Gotta be a toughest it, job. It's so there. hard, and I'll, I'll give my one little thing. When I was in uh, college, I worked. Well, when I was younger, I worked. Uh, I lived right beside High Point University, and it was a coach there that coached the basketball program. And he gave me a job when I was 13. He basically made it up because uh, he knew I loved basketball, and I was kind of a basketball player. And uh, I worked the the. Um, I gave like people came to me to get cokes or. Right, you know, like whatever right. the 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 towel boy. What, 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 no, boy, no, no, no. What, what is the word I'm looking for? Sorry, you got to cut this. Ball boy. Edit, edit it. No, I was running the concession stand. Oh, right, right. So that's what I did. To the juice boy. I was basically <laughs> juice boy, but I actually sold things. Um, but when you become, when you go for your first year in college as a player. Then you become a referee at his camps. Uh, so it was all college guys refing these. He had eight weeks of uh, team camps. I'm telling you, it's the hardest. And it's a different sport. I get it. But yeah. you, you're you watching one thing. Something can happen over here. You got a coach losing their mind. You got players yeah. losing their mind. Distraction I mean, after distraction. I loved working there because it was cash. And it was, you know, I was in college. And I was getting to be in the, uh, the court every day. Right. I just don't envy anything, and and you are at the highest level. I'm talking about co- like high school kids, but it's a tough job. I mean, well, you know what? Um, I had to grow into it. As I mentioned, I didn't have any experience, so I my experience was on the job learning. Right, right. And let's think about our personalities. Okay, we we when we get to this stage in our life when we're finding a breakout and we're we're involved in a professional something, and all of the things that we acquired from from our home environment, talking to my dad's kind of training sure, stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. and the schoolyard and our uh, competitive sports, all the way up, and now all of a sudden we're in this role that we've been prepared for. So as I mentioned, I didn't like bullies. I had courage, and I could take care of myself. Now I'm all of a sudden cast in a different role. I've got to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I've got the armbands. I've got the authority. I'm a, my very first game with Wayne Gretzky in Northlands Coliseum, I learned a huge amount about me and that I was going to fail if I didn't alter my, those things that boil inside you that come out in a reflex. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was Clarky, Bobby Clark, and the Flyers were playing. And it was 1980 in Northlands Coliseum. I dropped the puck, and Wayne gets touched within 10 seconds, and he took a dive on me, jumped in the air, and he's looking sideways at me to see if my arm's up before he even hit the ice. Now, we didn't have a diving penalty back then. So, and my little man syndrome, type A personality, (laughs) Napoleon kind of attitude, I thought, okay, Bucko, you're going to play your game, this game on your knees. Your equipment is going to be more wet on the outside than it will be <laughs> on the inside. I called nothing, nothing on him. And that certainly helped Clarkie in the... Yeah, the <laughs> sure. <laughs> so with, with a minute and a change left and the Flyers up by one goal, they're pressing that, oh, that great 
you know, young Hall of Fame, yeah. future Hall of Famers were the Oilers. And Pelly Lindbergh, God rest his soul, caught the puck. I blew the whistle, stop play. Behind the net, where Wayne's office was, he jumped in the air, he threw his hands out, feet out, boom, did a belly flop. Clarky skated over to him with no teeth. He said, get up, Gretzky, you fucking baby. <laughs> I went over and I said, I hope I can say that on your yeah, podcast. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Fine, yeah. Fine, yeah. So I apologize because <laughs> I don't curse. Anyway, so I go over to Wayne. I said, Wayne, what are you doing? I said, there wasn't a guy within 15 feet of you. He said, you wouldn't have called it anyway. You haven't called an effing thing all night. I said, you're right. I'm going to start right now. Boom, you got two drugs. Oh, no way. He said, thanks. It's about effing time you called something. <laughs> and he stormed off the ice That's in the dressing room. Oh, my that God. Is classic. Now, boys, there's a message in this. I replay. I've got a memory like a steel you trap. Do. It's like a VCR. I can replay a play, and it's exact. So after a few pops... I go back to the, <laughs> the hotel, and I'm replaying. What could I have done better tonight? And it hit me like a plank. I compromised my personal integrity, the rules, the people I worked for, the game I love. I was dishonest. And I knew, now I had to figure out, why did that happen? How did I get involved emotionally with a player? And I recognized that all that stuff that I acquired over time was a trigger. It was a reflex. Don't like bullies, don't like to people to intimidate me the crowd was on me yep. the more i didn't call the more they're on me right and i stuck it up his butt that night and i knew i had to be better because if i didn't i was going to fail the next time i saw wayne gretzky i apologized to him uh, before the game i said listen i was really wrong i'm sorry uh i got to be better than that but i finished with saying please do me a favor if you're fouled i'll make the call i think my judgment's okay and if you have a problem let's communicate uh, from that moment, there was a seed planted, and I recognized I had to do that with everybody. Mm, I had right. to develop relationships that were professional within the game. And uh, to this day, I mean, I've got guys on my speed dial that, you know, yeah. leg legends. Right. And it's because we, we developed a, a good working relationship, uh, even to the point of some guys I helped out, the two guys that hated me the most. <coughs> One was... Knuckles Nyland, hmm. Chris yeah. Nyland, yeah. had issues. Um, we were on a tour together, and I helped him at a time when he needed some help. That's awesome. And that's he still amazing. hated me at that point. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. You know, I was going to ask amazing. you that. That's the thing, like, growing up <clears throat> with your hockey background playing, and, and, and I mean, all of us, we're, we're comp you're a competitive guy. I play golf with you. Like, I, I understand, like, it's got to be hard. Like you said, you're like, oh, okay, because you have pride, too. But you're also competitive. Yeah. You know, and it, that had, I could see why when refs do snap, like when I was on the bench for all those years, like, I, I don't know how they don't snap before that sometimes. Yeah, right. And, you know, even there's going to be mistakes. We're all human. Sure. And that's that's the thing that's is the worst is, you know, like when a guy knows there's been a mistake made, but like, and it's going to happen. Admit it. it yeah, it just, you know, that's exactly it. it it's going to happen. And I love uh, I love what you said there too. Like you communicated. I know as you you can speak as a player, but I just know hearing the players in the locker room. Oh, good, we've got carried tonight. At least he'll fucking talk to you. Yeah, right? you know, right. if he calls, he's gonna at least play, until you start giving him the hey, go fuck yourself. Yeah. He's gonna be go yeah. fuck yourself. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's we could, it. And I, you can't blame you. No, like and, uh, I'm not gonna give him a penalty. Right. And then yeah. there's some refs. I won't mention names because I like to keep friends. But there's yeah. some that have come up in the last few years that. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, a lot of guys just, just trying to talk. And that's through insecurity. Yeah. When, it, when a guy doesn't want to talk or when he uh, 
gets over the top aggressive and and starts f-bombing a player it's because he's not comfortable yeah he's not comfortable with his own skin but i learned another val- very valuable lesson as i signed a contract and now they send me to the minor leagues and danny gare was playing uh, out west and i have this game and they're lighting it up they're the visiting team home teams getting scored on the fans are frustrated the players are frustrated they're losing big time every time a guy you know another goal scored fans littered the ice player would come up shoot his mouth off i'd bang him with a misconduct yeah. you know no tolerance and i had them sitting three deep in the penalty box towards the third into the third period finally with another goal scored another misconduct and more shit thrown on the ice the coach sent his captain over wanted to talk to me very politely he said mr referee my coach wants to know if he can get a penalty for thinking. <laughs> I said, well, if he doesn't think out loud, he's probably going to be okay. The captain said, well, in that case, he thinks you're a fucking asshole. No. <laughs> Come on. Come on. So good. I started laughing. Yeah, how do you so not? good. Do so you I not? look over at the coach. He's got his foot up on the bench. And <laughs> oh, the scowl, and he smiled, and. Then he started to laugh when he saw me laugh. Oh, that is so funny. And I went, I gave him a thumbs up. Like, I thought, that's really cool. (laughs) So, you know what I learned from that one? I go back after the game. I said, you know what, Phrase? Don't be an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Enjoy the game. Love the game. Enjoy it. Have fun. Yeah. Oh, man. That's so true. So many lessons along the way. Oh, yeah, Yeah, for sure. I can imagine. Oh, my God. Well, those are big lessons, too. I mean, for you to ref 30 years in the NHL. Um, communication's got to be the top of the list of, of preserving, right, your integrity. You know, I do a lot of corporate speaking, and uh, the the lessons that I learned are transferable. Mm-hmm. So whether it's uh, communication, developing uh, communicative skills, especially mine was in a hostile environment. Right. So that can transfer to sales, to, sure. uh, you know, all kinds of different uh, things in industry. Uh, safety is another element that, uh, you know, in, in industry is really important. Um so you want to get home at night? Yeah. I remember I was uh, game in the spectrum, and uh, I was following the play. The play changed, and it's coming out of the flyer zone. All of a sudden, Richie Dunn, the defenseman, intercepts the puck at the, at the red line, and I'm 15 feet from him going this way towards him, and he's winding up for a slap shot. I, I start going back, yeah. but he pounds it. It hits me right between the legs. No. Yeah, shattered my cup. Oh, it shattered. No. I'm on my back. <laughs> yes, so. Jimmy McCrossin came out. I said, Jimmy, I think it just poked through the end of my cup. <laughs> no. <laughs> he said, well, Kerry, there's two things we can do here. <clears throat> he said, I can lift your legs and try and pump them to get your balls to fall down again. But he said, otherwise, I can massage them and we'll get them down quicker. I said, do the pump. Do the pump. <laughs> <laughs> do the pump. So Richie Dunskate over me says, Phrase, I'm really sorry. He said, like, I just pounded. I didn't see you. I said, thank God it was you shooting, Richie. <laughs> yeah, wow, right, yeah, yeah, right. Muffin. Okay. Aww. So the, you know what? Those are the kinds of things where you, fans don't realize you, you have fun. You know, yeah, you were really you got to. You were a tough guy and you, you had, you know, had that look. All the tough guys had that look that, when they're ready, it's it's so intense and it's a stressful thing to fight. Right, I believe. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially you know yeah. when a little guy. I mean, holy shit, you can get hurt. But each guy that I saw, and you were no exception, knew your role. You knew what you had to do, and you knew when you had to do it to try and affect the game for your team in a in a positive way. So I talked to Jay Miller. 
who used to fight yeah. for oh, the Boston yeah. Bruins yeah. constantly. He was a he was a heavyweight. Oh yeah. And him and Knuckles Nyland had fights every game with Montreal Boston always a rivalry. So I called Jade about golf uh, on uh, Cape Cod. He's like the mayor of Cape Cod. He said, "Carrie, long time no talk." He said, "I named my boat after you." <laughs> I said, "Really? What's that?" He said, "You always used to say to me, let him go." His boat's name, let him go. Let him yeah, go. Hey, that's awesome. I, I was going to ask you. That's that's awesome because I was going to ask you with your background when you were growing up and you were you know you played a tough game. You saw a lot of fights. You, was it fun for you? I, I promoted some. <laughs> that's so cool. The game needed, I thought, at certain points when when guys are yapping, you know, yeah. when the linesmen get in and yeah. the scrums and all this. And I've said. Hey, listen, I can arrange this if you want. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. Go, go take care to, of business. Sure. Yeah. Like, and one, the top. one game I did, one guy says, you want to go? Yeah, sure. Linesman, get out of the way. They fought. The bench is cleared. Oh. I was up till 3 in the morning writing reports. <laughs> <laughs> missed the coat, the bar. So that's the last time you promoted it. Yeah, that's the last time you No more Don King oh, out there right. on the ice. <laughs> No, but honestly, back then, though, the element of fighting was so prevalent that it would diffuse a lot of this extra fluff that happens sure. that refs don't want to deal with anyways, right? Yeah. So just go fight, yeah. kill the beef, yeah. go to the penalty box, and then we can move on in the game, right? I mean, stopping at every whistle and you having to get involved is no I no always went to the press room before a game, and I got a coffee, and I got the press notes. And I went back to our room, had my underwear on before I start working out and stretching, and I would read what happened the last time with these two teams and previous. Was there any kind of, look, check the penalty minutes from the game. Was there altercations that, you know, there might be a grudge match? And so uh, that was my preparation. Uh, and there were, there were times I'd go into a game and, and, or a tough guy. And I always checked the faces of the players uh, as I skated around before the National Anthem. Is a guy cut? Has he got a bandage? I don't want to get fooled. Uh, and there's times when the when the fighter on the team would come to me and he'd say, "Listen, I, I really can't fight tonight. My hand's bad or whatever." And I would say, "Okay, that's great news." I said, "I'll tell the linesman. Just hold off. Don't drop him. Just give us a second because I'm going to send the linesman in there quick. You're not going to have to fight tonight." Wow, wow. that's cool. That's impressive. Because you know, like I, that, you can attest to yeah, this. Like amazing, you know, you man. got guys like you said. Like I saw this guy fight yeah. so many times, American League, obviously sure. National Hockey League. But, like, you know, in American League, they're playing three nights a week, three nights on the weekend. He's fighting four times. Like, you can't tell me your hands aren't just – but Raw. they still do it. But that's cool that you would be like – I wish hey. I had the luxury of going yeah. to the ref and be like, yeah. hey, he's Kerry, trying, like, can you help me out today? So he's, <laughs> yeah. he's fighting every night. I, I'll never forget that night. We, we lost the game, and Johnny Stevens was coaching. The fans was the year we won the Cup. And you were sitting there, and you had both your hands in that iodine stuff with yeah. ice, you know, black eyes, and your hands were beat to shit. And I just thought, man, that's a, just a tough way to make a living. But Could you just carry that? I was going to say, hey, like. You got to pay the price. And Johnny Stevens was like, and I think it kind of embarrassed you, but Johnny walked in and goes, look at this guy. And I think Gratz had fallen. Yeah. And there were like four of the guys showed up. And the boy, we, we just didn't play well. The team didn't. Yeah. But these guys. Made up, carried yeah, the pail. It yeah. can, it, back then, it could change the complexion of a series. Yes. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, tough guys. I always tried to develop a, a good, healthy relationship with the, the enforcers on a team, right. because 
their players, their teammates respected them the most, right? Mm -hmm. They were the guys that took care of business and, and looked after them, and, and I respected them as well. Uh, and if I had an issue, I could always go to that tough guy and say, hey, pal, do me a favor. Would you calm these guys down a little bit? Yeah. Right? And there's um, big Jim McKenzie. Oh, boy, he was a big man. Oh. Big guy. He was a heavyweight. Yep. Yes. Six foot three, 225, solid. And a heavyweight fighter, but a real gentleman. Second year, he's a pro with the Hartford Whalers. Last game of the regular seasons, Washington and Landover in the old Cap Center. Nobody's mad. Game over. We just want to get into the into the playoffs. Okay. So all the and Ricky Lee was the coach of the Hartford Whalers. All the Hartford Whaler players left the ice at the Zamboni entrance where the refs went off. Stick boys, trainers, coaches, everybody except six foot three Jim McKenzie and me. We step off on the mat together. Jimmy looks down at me and said, hey, Kerry, if I told you to fuck off, would you give me 10? <laughs> I said, Jim, what are you talking about? I said, game over, regular season over, nobody's mad. He said, I got a bonus in my contract <laughs> for yes. penalty minutes. I'm four pims short, and the coach never played me one shift. I looked up, I went, what'd you say? And the gentleman that he is quietly said, fuck off. You, I yelled sir. at him. Say it like you mean it. He yelled at me. Fuck off! I said you got ten. He said that's great. Thank you. And he walked to the dressing room. That is so awesome. We, I just oh, I saw him at a Flyers game this year towards that's the end so of the season, cool. and we I I said you got ten. He said thank you. Yeah, so cool. That is the greatest. I love to hear oh, stuff my like God. that. Now he lied to me. He didn't. Who's gonna give a guy a bonus for penalty minutes? But he was at one ninety six. And he had to, second year pro, he's going in, he's on a two-year, he had to renegotiate. Uh, and he got all of his penalties majors for fighting. Knuckles would get 300 penalty minutes a year. He'd get match penalties, he'd get talking penalties. I banged him yeah. endlessly. So <laughs> they would pad their, their uh, penalty minutes. Yeah. He wanted to go in there as a bona fide heavyweight over 200 over pounds. Over 200 right. pounds, yeah. gotcha. I don't play him. I would do something similar. I was like the old Dennis Bonvey yeah, strategy. Bones, I would just yeah. like, <laughs> just try and get like 300 yeah. minutes, 400 things. minutes, just t tell the ref to F off with five yeah. minutes to go in the game and <laughs> I, get on the board. See Bonvey's hands now? Oh, I mean, they're oh insane. He's hey? like gnarly. Oh, oh, yeah. He fought so much, Oh, my man. God, did he ever. God, we had him for a, a quick minute there. We got him in a deadline trade, uh, and he... Was be reported to the Phantoms. That was one of my last years, I think, with the Phantoms. Oh no, no, it wasn't. Was before, it was before were, me. Yeah. yeah, you're right. My bad. Uh, but uh, he fought like. It, and the funny thing is, so we got to know him, and I love. Bones. Yeah, Bones. I love yeah, Bones. Great guy. But it was so funny. Like, so he leaves the Phantoms. And I don't know if he went back to if he went to Hershey then or he went to Scranton. But you know, he had been both places, right. and uh, he would come down, always say hi to me. You know, so I'm in the hallway, and I'm like. All right, Bones, what are you going to do tonight? Oh, man. No, man. I'm, I'm done, man. Look at my hands. First shift, the gloves, uh, the whole He can't help himself. He could not help himself. No, if he... anyone said anything to him, he was losing his mind. But I loved him. And we would just chuckle after we had him and knew him. You know, we just laughed and we watched him play. It was hard to even get mad at him. Oh, yeah. Guys had to fight him. I mean, obviously. Let me give you a name. Both of you. Billy Tibbetts. Oh, man. Oof. What a, what an animal that guy is! Yeah, I'll tell you a quick story about that. So we're <laughs> we're getting ready for camp, and we're over at Hollydale. Fans are still at Hollydale. Pretty sure we're still at Hollydale, but yes, we were. And Billy Tibbetts had just played in this tournament in Boston. We had a few guys from there, and this guy goes, "Hey, any of you heard of this guy Billy Tibbetts?" And everyone's in the room. You know, it's 
we're just getting ready for camp. It's like a week or two away from Flyers camp, and and uh, everybody's like, no, I never heard of him. And he goes, well, I just played against him this weekend in Boston. And this guy had an ankle bracelet on. Yeah. He had a, a whole arrested, whatever you call it, ankle. I don't know what you call it, but yeah, right. he was under house arrest. Yeah. Wow. Now, it's around his skate. I'm like, that's illegal. He can block a shot. With a <laughs> yeah, right. out, right? No shot blockers. But, but then whoever it was, I, I want to see it was Jimmy Montgomery, but it couldn't have been Jimmy Montgomery. But anyway, whoever was talking about him said, this guy's crazy. <laughs> he, he got kicked out of a game. And when we all went outside after, he beat the guy's car with a baseball bat all the windows the windshield and everything and they knew it was him because oh, he got yeah. kicked out he went and dressed and he laughed yeah he spent time yeah he, he had spent yeah and um i will say this about him he was so nice to me when he was here yeah but he there was a play where we were playing scranton and we had steve mclaren mm-hmm. and woody was tough oh yeah really and tough. I, billy was tough but i don't think he wanted to fight stone cold um anyway there's a scrum right and billy comes in late and he's swinging it Woody, because he knew he couldn't get to him, right? So there's this big melee. So I walk up. I got his gloves and his, and his stick, and I'm coming up behind Woody real quick just to put him in the room. Well, here comes Billy up the other side. Now, this is in the spectrum, which you know well. Yeah. It's that gate, yeah. the Homer gate. Everybody says Homer was the reason they put that in there. Anyway, Woody looks down, and he goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking kill you or something. You fuck you, Tibbets. And, and Billy grabs those things. He's like, I'm gonna kill you and your wife. Oh, like, and he looked like a like I like was he should scared. like he should I be locked scared. up. I'm like, yeah. it was like for real. And uh Woody's like, he's walking, he goes, Fuck you and he as soon as we stepped in the room, Woody goes, He sounded serious. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> he did sound serious, man. Well the reason probably I ask you about Tibbetts is because I saw him in Hershey and he was with Pittsburgh. He'd been released from prison and uh, he's he's on a tryout with, with the Penguins. Yep. And my son in law, Harry Dumas, yep. is refereeing the game with me. And uh, so uh, Matthew Barnaby was was playing for Pittsburgh at the time. Oh boy! So Harry calls an obvious penalty on Tibbetts for tripping or something, and Harry's going to the penalty box, and this Tibbetts guy is is like charging. Oh boy! So I stepped in front of him with the stop sign, and Barney's over on the on the bench yelling, "Phrase, get out of his way! He's freaking crazy! <laughs> Come, on. <laughs> Come on!" So he he bypasses me, gets in, he sits in the box, and and uh, I opened the door and I said, "Listen, kid." I said, uh, I just want you to know that uh, when you when you take an obvious penalty like that, like there's no no question, just go sit down. He said, and he's the Boston guy, right? Yeah. He said, I know who you are, you old fucking prick. He said, <laughs> you and you got ugly hair too. No way. So, <laughs> right to the heart. Right to the heart. I started laughing. So this is the last game before they break camp, right? They're right. going to either make it or send you down. So at the end, with a couple of minutes left, he decides he wants to have a fight with the guy to try and impress, you know, this, the brass. And you'll love this. He's he engages this guy, he drops his gloves, and he does the crane. And he goes, no, no way. way. And the guy just smokes him. One shot, he's down, he's on top of him. <laughs> So he's laying on the, and the linesman. Daniel break, LaRusso. The, the linesman yeah, right. break it up. And I went over and he's still laying on the ground. I said, hey, uh, Billy the Kid, you know what? <laughs> I think you can lose the crane move. And, and if you're going to shoot your mouth off, you better be tougher than yeah. that. <laughs> wow. But I got along with the guy great. Yeah. So, you know, he, 
when he was with the Flyers and and uh, I, I chat him up, I always wanted to get these guys on my side. Right. And uh, so we had some things, and and I'd sort of coach him on the ice, like, "Hey, keep it going. You're doing good. You're doing. You know. Yeah. You can that's see guys cool. are nervous. And, yeah. But I'd look in players' eyes, and I'd see. Oh yeah. Oh, I knew who they were. There, imagine Mike Danton. Oh, oh yeah, right, my! Yeah. He changed his name. Remember? Yeah, his Jefferson. Name was, right? yeah. Jefferson. Yeah. Very yeah. first face-off in the preseason. Everybody wants to kill this guy. He scores a really nice goal, and he came back for the face-off. And I said, "Hey, kid! I said that that was really a nice play. Keep it up. Yeah, you're going to make this team." And he looked at me with those spooky eyes, and he said, "You serious?" I said, "Yeah, I'm serious. Great play." He said, "You know, I've never had a referee compliment me ever." <laughs> Yeah, so I guess not. you just knew there was something yeah. back yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I do remember him. It's funny. I actually remember way back when he changed his name. Yeah. What did he change to Danton Cole? Was it, was, Danton? it was Jefferson, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, was it was Jeff- Jefferson, oh. and he changed it to Danton. Danton. Yeah, that's what it was. And he had uh, David Frost as his agent, right. who he tried to get uh, hire somebody to kill him. Yep. That's, oh, right. Yeah, that's right. There was stuff so, going on. Yeah, there oh, was a man, lot of yeah. it, it was it was sad, but, but I just remember when he came back with a name change. I think we we were playing the Devils in a preseason, and I just remember watching him skate. You know how it is. You've seen yeah. all these players. You could pick them out who they are, and, and I'm like, he looks. I swear to God, that's uh, yeah, Jefferson. Right, right. You know, yeah. and guys are like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm like, yeah. I, I, it's it's twin or it's him, and then they're. Then we hear a little bit later in the day that, oh, yeah, that was. He changed right. his name and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. that's funny you brought that. I, that yeah. guy was crazy. He, oh, he yeah. was, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But he was back, a pretty good player. Too. Oh, he was. He was, yeah. a good, yeah. he was a good little player. Well, even Billy. Going back to Billy, what was the story about when, when the Flyers released him? Didn't they escort him out of the building? Yeah, the Fridge. They had to call Fridge over to the rink. Uh, because he was coming after Clarky. He yeah. was banging on the doors down yeah, there. He was, and he I'm was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I was at the yeah, other end. I'm like, I'm out of here, man. Clarky, you have a stick in his hand? Yeah, just, he was upstairs. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't down there. Right? His office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, boy. What, a, what yeah. an organization. You know, I, I, uh, I always loved the Flyers organization. They were class. Mm-hmm. And it came from the guy. Right there. there sure, 100%. He had such passion. He was an intense guy, and he didn't hold back. I mean, if he thought we screwed up, boy, he was down there yelling and, and screaming at us. Uh, but I always felt that he was fair, and I I respected how much he loved his players. They were his boys. Oh, my yep, God, he they did. were. I'll tell you, it's a far cry uh, with the organization. Now I, I don't like to knock anybody, but I'll tell you, uh, Mr. Snyder uh, would not have uh, been putting up with some of the stuff. that. Uh, that's the truth. 100%. Yeah, that's the truth. Just lost the culture, right? Not 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 so much like the Broad Street bullies, but just the essence of like identity and you know just standing for something. Yeah, that the Flyers always did. See, that's where the himself. Montreal Canadiens are are one of the finest organizations in the right. game, and they had an awful year this year. They were at the Cup final year before. Yeah, right. it comes and goes, but the tradition mm-hmm. should always hold true. The the Flyer organization, the the history, the you should be proud to be drafted and come into that dressing room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I go into the Montreal dressing room and I see that that sign uh, with all the old legends around, Rocket yep. Richard and Jeffrey on and, and uh, It's amazing. And, and that sign that says, from these failing hands we pass the torch. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, the, you talk about respect and, and tradition, and players don't seem to have that same kind of respect today that, that you guys had. But... Uh, 
I, I talked to Stéphane Richier uh, at an event one time, and, and Steph said, oh, he said, I was drafted first, Montreal. I'm a Montreal kid. I, I'm so proud to have the Canadian jersey, my name on the back and a number. He said, uh, very first practice, uh, I throw my uh, jersey in the hamper, and uh, Larry Robinson got up. He walked over, went to the hamper, took my jersey out, turned it over. He said, Steph, we play for the crest on the front. Not the name on the back. back so he goes. They go to do a uh, preseason game in Edmonton, and he uh, he ran uh, Lee Foglin, who was the captain of the Oilers at the time. He, he ran him from behind behind the net. Foglin turned around. They fought. Steph said, "I'm coming back after serving my five minutes." And he said, "I did okay in the fight. I I thought I'd get some high fives." No, Larry Robinson again. He said, "Steph, when you see the guy's numbers, you don't hit him." play off him he said you want respect you got to respect your opponent mm. Mm. wow how Th- true those is that? history lessons from guys in that organization yeah. you know yes as a rookie it they they can be really important lessons oh yeah. for sure larry robinson i've never heard a bad word about oh, that what man. An awesome God. guy i've met him a few times too just a, the nicest man yeah yeah no doubt um i i got a question for you i don't when i ask you this i don't mean scared like oh this guy's gonna grab me but maybe there was a situation where you thought of but was there any <laughs> <Really>? player <laughs> yeah was there any player that you were just like let's just try to keep away from this guy you know like cause we always joked about Pro, uh, chris pronger i've never seen a guy get away with more yelling at a ref and telling him to fuck off and this and that and i used to say to riles I think they're afraid of him, but I don't. I know you weren't really afraid of him, but guys on the other team were afraid of that stick. Yeah, right. Stick it was just coming. Dirty and the you stick. know his his bark was loud, but I just wondered. Is well, there when a Prongs point? was in St. Louis, and whenever they got a penalty, and he came out to kill it, he thought he could do anything, and he had the heavy cross. Oh yeah, oh, he did. big time, strong, big guy, good, great player, and I would give him a second penalty, and we argued and argued and argued until finally he recognized. I don't allow a second freaking thing to go. Just because you've got one, that doesn't mean you can't get two. Right. And I've called three penalties on one play on the same guy. Did one, did two, did three. Boom, the meter's running. Wow. But I'll tell you, 1974-75, I'm working in the American Hockey League game in Halifax. The year before, Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup, and they fired Al McNeil as their coach, and he was coaching Halifax, which was shared with the Atlanta Flames. I played junior a couple of years previously with Ken Houston, massive guy, six foot, uh, like four. He was easy at 225, 230 player. And uh, so he's on the bench. There was a guy named Richard Lemieux that was traded from Vancouver. He was on a one-way deal, and uh, he was traded to Atlanta. They sent him down to Halifax. He was not a happy guy. He got three penalties in the first period. McNeil benched him in the second period. He came out for the third. First shift, he takes another penalty. Uh-huh. He's at center ice, and I'm standing with my back in front of the Halifax bench. He kicked his stick over at me, and it hit my skate. Now he's got another one. Wow. I knew I had to get away from the stick, so I turned to skate, but I'm, I'm keeping an eye on him. And I just turned, and he threw down both gloves, and he's charging me. Way. The line one linesman was going to get the puck. The other guy's gone to the faceoff spot, and this guy's coming. <laughs> no gloves. I open both palms, like this means peace, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also ready to defend. He threw the first one a left. It came over my shoulder. I grabbed onto his 
his wrist. The next one, he had a one to throw. I caught it in the air. I pulled his jersey over his head. No tie downs back then. Right. So I got him with both arms up over his head. Ken Houston thinks now I'm going to smoke his guy. He jumped over the boards. He picked me up. My feet are like this high off the ice. And he's got me arms pinned and my face right there. Oh, no. Oh, no. So uh, the linesman finally got there just as, as Lemieux was getting unbuttoned from, from the jersey I tie up. End of the game. I throw him out of the game, obviously. End of the game. Three guys knocked on the door. It was McNeil, Ken Houston, and uh, and Lemieux. Apologized. The guy's white as a ghost. Al said he's a good guy. He's just frustrated. He sent down. I said, listen, boys, no problem. I said, thank God you didn't get me, but I have to write a report. Clarence Campbell was the president of the NHL back then. Mr. Campbell uh, was a prosecutor for the uh, Canadian Army in the Nuremberg trials. Hmm. He wanted detailed reports. He wanted them handwritten. And so I wrote my report. Mr. Campbell, in his edict, said to Richard Lemieux, Mr. Lemieux, you are most fortunate that referee Fraser had the wherewithal to appropriately defend himself. Had you made good on your assault, you would have been suspended from the National Hockey League for life mm, and wow. all affiliated leagues. He fined him 10 grand. He was on an 80,000 one way. 10 grand, and he suspended him 10 games. No shit. Wow. Well, that which was, he should have, right? Yeah. That, but that was, was a lot, right, back then. Oh, that's a lot. So, yeah. Was I afraid? No. But I was able to defend, uh, and I never took my eyes off players. I knew that, you know, some guys just don't want to, they, they want to look at a dog that's attacking. I yeah. want to confront it. Yeah, right. But not in an aggressive way. Yeah, right. I, I always wanted to bring things down, bring the temperature down. Rick Tockett, great player, young, young captain of the uh, Flyers. Yeah. And Talk could fight. He was a power forward. He could score. He was a great leader. Guys respected him. And he was getting a whole bunch of misconduct penalties because he was so emotional. And he'd be yapping at the refs. Game in the spectrum. He came over to me, screaming and yelling. I went, whoa, Rick, please, let me have a word. I said, listen, you're a great player. You can fight. You can score. You can, you can do it all. You, you guys respect you. You're a great leader. But you can't do it from that penalty box. You're spending way too much time in with 10-minute talking penalties. Now, I want you to play the game. That's where you're most effective. And I said, if you have a question, please come and ask me. I'll give you an answer. But do it appropriately. Right. And I could see Talk's light go on. And it was like, yeah. And, I've, and I finished up by saying, you can only have to play against the guys in the other jerseys. Don't play against two teams at once. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. those are the kind of conversations that you can have in a short spurt. Uh, with with coaches and with with players uh, that sort of reset the table and develop a relationship. Right? Yeah, Ken Hitchcock, right? You might have even been on the bench. So we were in the two referee system, and Hitch was mad at my young French referee stoppage of commercial uh, commercial stoppage uh, and the timeout, and Hitch goes, "Carrie, get over here!" or Gary, get the fuck over here. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's be that's a better, yeah, right. definitely. So I go over. I said, what's up, Hitch? You go tell us. fucking no good. Uh, well, I said, whoa, whoa, Hitch. I said, I'm offended by that kind of language. Hitch goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> he said, sorry. Let me try again. You go tell that no good friend. <laughs> I said, okay, we're done. All the players are laughing. So, oh, of course. So Frenchie over at the referee's crease, he says, uh, what did he want? Yeah. <laughs> what did he want? I said, 
I think maybe uh, he's upset with me, but uh, you you should stay over on this side, and I'll work that side. <laughs> that's great. Oh, Looking man. after your young refs. That's great. Yeah. Mike Keenan. I buy Mike oh, Keenan. I can't I was imagine. Gonna, as we were gonna so I buy, I, I'm sorry I'm talking way too much. No, no, no it's beautiful. I'm, I'm, we want you here. I'm leading you guys. We don't even have no, to ask perfect. you the questions. Yeah, no, that's perfect. So perfect. we moved down in 88. I do a search the year before. Six kids at the time. Number seven born two years after we get down here. And we're, we're looking at different markets. I love Boston. I love the city. But it was too far out. I talked to Joe Cadillac. And, and Joey gave me information. And all the flyer players that either retired or were traded away settled here after their careers. Yeah. It spoke volumes for the hockey community, uh, you know, the fan base and the whole deal. And plus, if I drew a radius around each NHL team, Philly had more uh, cities within 150 miles that I could drive to and go um, home at night. Yeah. So it was great. Keenan got fired. 88, house on the market, motivated seller. Perfect house. <laughs> there we go. All my all my uh, neighbors were uh, flyer guys, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it was perfect. So I bought it. Now John uh, Ziegler was the president of the league. He didn't really think I should have bought a coach's house, but nonetheless, we got through that little uh, argument. And uh, <laughs> Keenan went from Chicago, New York, won the cup, St. Louis for a bit. Now he's in Boston, and we're in the two referee system. And he is just beating up my young referee partner at a stoppage of play. I'm the back ref, and I have to go do a line change. So I went over to Keenan at the bench, get right in front of him, stuck my finger in his face. I said, Mike, that fucking house you sold me, the roof's leaking. <laughs> All the start players dialing? started laughing. No, Keenan backed up. He went, Kerry, honest, I thought I got it fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Two on. weeks later, big rainstorm in Voorhees. We had three fireplaces in the place. Water was pouring down the chimneys. I looked, went on the roof, and he had all the black you know, around the flashing black tar, and it just over time opened up. Oh. So I was trying to be funny, get him yeah, off my yeah, no way. Him, yeah, right. And he t gave me the real tip. <laughs> <laughs> it was leaking. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Oh uh, we, we wanted to ask you um, most controversial call or non call, or Ooh, top, maybe that's top easy. two. Yeah, it's yeah. easy. The one I missed in 90, uh, 93 uh, in the Western Conference Final. Gretzky? With Gretzky and, yeah. and Gilmore. And, you know, I'm still asked about it. Toronto fans, second, third generation kids that weren't even born then hate Kerry Fraser. You know? Really? Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. And you know what? It, in reflection, you don't want to miss something that, or, or call something that has a negative effect on a game. Now, we don't know if, if uh, you know, the Oilers or I'm sorry, the Kings would have won that game. Uh, but we know one thing for sure. Had I seen it, Wayne Gretzky wouldn't have been in the game to score the winning goal on the next series of play. Yeah. So, and they lost game seven, and Wayne had the best game he admitted of his career back in Toronto for game seven. Wendell Clark said, hey, if you, know, if you had asked us, we want game seven in our own building, absolutely. Absolutely. But they just hit a guy that was incredible uh, and – Took it over, You're right? Uh, but you know, I came home from from that LA game, and I, we still I still hadn't seen a replay. Brian Lewis was the referee in chief. He was there. He said, "Well, we haven't seen a replay either, but there's been a report that maybe clipped him with a high stick." I went to Doug Gilmore at the time. He's dabbing his chin; it's bleeding. I said, "Killer, tell me what happened." I didn't see it. He said, "Well, Wayne took a shot, and his follow through hit me in the chin, the stick." I said, "Well, that's not a penalty." He said, "Okay." 
it didn't smell right. Wayne was always a guy that if there was something that needed to be talked about, he was right there pleading his case. And he was kind of slinking away. Yeah. You know? And I thought, this smells bad. So I it, both linesmen in, I said, help me out, guys. Anybody see anything? Ron Finn was at the blue line. Huck Finn had the balls of an elephant. If he saw something, he'd tell he'd you. Tell you yeah. And Kevin Collins had dropped the puck at the, uh, at the faceoff. And he was doing the tap dance. He said, oh, I don't know if he did, man, maybe. But he, if he was bent over, I, I'm not sure. As soon as I hear that, there's no way I'm going to make a guess. Yeah. You can't, can't guess. You can't. Mm. Whenever I guess, it's always wrong. Yeah. So I had to eat it. And sure enough, the very next play, they're still killing Glenn Anderson's penalty for trying to run uh, Rob Blake's head through the boards uh, in overtime and uh, with a couple of seconds left. So they got four guys on the ice killing the penalty. Three guys went into the corner against two, and Luke Robitaille was one of them and came out with the puck. And Gretzky's standing all alone on the far side, one defender, yeah. you know, boom, Oops. it's in the net, yep. game over. Yeah. So, you know, I look at that, and, and uh, it's the, the worst call I missed and never made. Yeah. I actually watched the replay yesterday a few times, and that, that's a tough. That's a tough call, man. Especially from where you were standing. Exactly. So one of the, one of the replays, you you almost couldn't tell because I think Gretzky takes a, a slap shot and gets blocked. It almost looks like Jamie the, McCowan jo- blocked the shot. It came back to it. Right almost where looked it, like it might it might have like hit him on the on the on the the, the, the blockage. Right. It wasn't even so much the, the stick. Yeah. Then from the other angle, you could maybe see. I think it's a, after he follows through, he springs a stick back and maybe maybe. Correct. But that's a tough. That's well, you a, know yeah, what? Tough, you know tough the, the other call. thing is that uh, Wayne was on the board side of Gilmore. I was on the far side, so I'm looking right. through Gilmore. Uh, yeah. Wayne is on the other side, and his reach right catches him, and I don't see it. Yeah. So it yeah. happens. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, you know, it's not rocket science. Now we've got replay after video review right. after, and, and guys, I wanted to see everything. Yeah, when I started, one referee and no replay, and we had goal judges. But I wanted to be in position to make the call. I'm the captain. The ship goes down. I'm, you know, yep. it's on me. And now I'm seeing guys that don't have the best vantage point. They don't seem to get to where they need to get to. They're in the way of players. Mm-hmm. They're standing yeah. in traffic areas, yeah. and they have the safety net. Of the video review, right? yeah, right, yeah. So you can turn different it animal over. completely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a tough one because it just it just seemed like such a, a a non play at the time. It was it was a power play. I mean, there's nothing well, really going on. Anytime you're in OT, man, it's intense. You yeah. gotta oh. like the concentration and the focus. You don't want to miss one, right? Or you don't want to get fooled on. Uh, one that you think is a penalty and not. Right. There's no guesswork in, in OT for no. sure, and there shouldn't be at any time. Right. Um, but there's times where you <laughs> you have to make an educated decision, judgment. So Matthew Barnaby had, <clears throat> he was a beaut. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I'm doing a Flyers game and, and uh, single referee and I'm chasing the play and I don't have a real good angle but I see a guy D-man bring the stick up Barnaby bends over grabs his face my arm goes up logic maybe right he came to me and he's got a broken tooth he said he broke my tooth four minutes hmm four days later 
And I see he's got this big shiny thing in his mouth, right? The cap. I get a really good angle on this play. Guy's stick is at his waist. Barney bends over, grabs his face, pulls out the cap. Oh my he skated God. over to me and said, look, he broke my tooth. I said, you prick. Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, no. I was the ref the other last day, time idiot. that you pulled the thing on. He said, oh, fuck. I forgot it was you. <laughs> no Stuck way. the cap back in. <laughs> I said, you dirtbag. Oh, man. Oh, it sounds man. like something. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, Murray Craven one time uh, playing for you guys. He was on a break, and uh, I could see him chomping on his lip, just biting away. And uh, the guy, you know, the defender was chasing him. And he makes the play at the net. And he come over and look, he, he cut me. He said, you, you bit Buzz. yourself. I said, Buzz, you bit yourself. Exactly, Buzz. Oh, shit. Didn't think oh. you could see that. <laughs> oh, man. I got a question for you. What number did you wear before you got number two? Never. Had my name on the back. It was just the names. Yeah. All I was right. wondering about that. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about the names. Yeah. And they took the names away? Why? So. Well, we had our strike uh, in uh, 93. And... Uh, Mr. Bettman, uh, we beat him up a little bit in the media, and uh, he, uh, the start of that next season, he said there was going to be no more uh, names on the back, and he gave us the reasoning that I want to take the pressure off you guys, so we're going to go to numbers, so the fans don't chant your name, okay? Like they can't. <laughs> yeah. Right. So here's what happened. Now we go into the two-referee system. Nobody knows the other guy's name. I'm wearing number two, right? <laughs> and the guy'd make a call, but he'd make the call, and it'd be Fraser sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, yeah. come on, ref. Yeah, I know. So right. you know, I I thought I should change my name to Fraser sucks at one point. Yeah, but uh, and you know, I celebrate Mother's Day. I was called it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> Mother. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, um, I got a question for you. That people probably um want to know or don't know like so if you're in a game and, and you guys especially in the playoffs is there someone that represents the rep that's there so you could go in in between periods almost like a coach coming in and get shit or no they stay away oh uh, they do okay but, but we do have <clears throat> a series supervisor uh for and they're executives um sometimes from the officiating department but hockey operations has really taken over the oh, game yeah control uh, so you've got Colin Campbell and Mike Murphy and and former players Chris King. King uh, yeah. So they uh, they tend to uh, referee the game from uh, either in Toronto uh, or uh, as a series supervisor. Um, we get prepared in a pregame meeting the night before before dinner, typically. Uh, so we have our game day to ourselves. Uh, but uh, the series supervisor will go over previous games what they did, uh, bring forth any kind of information that, that uh, we need to be aware of, uh, line matchups, uh, if somebody's done some nasties. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, well played, well played. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that uh, we need to be aware of. Um, and what can happen, though, is the general managers and the coaches, they have a cooling off period after a game. One day of cooling off, you can't contact the series supervisor. But the next day, they will. So they can try and program that supervisor to bring some stuff into the dressing room. Okay. Might be on face-offs. And they'll, they'll say, you know, so-and-so, Claude Giroux is cheating all the time on, mm -hmm. on the face-offs. And we need to make sure your guys take care of that. Subliminally, the guys go in and say, you know, there was a complaint about Claude Giroux. Make sure he's 
lined up and he's got a stick down because he's timing it. Man, he wins a lot of faceoffs. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> he's so really the, good. that that guy, I I would take a lot of stuff with a grain of salt. It's yeah. not that you know I I wanted to be disrespectful to the coaches that we have, uh, but I don't want to pre-referee a game. Yeah, right. I always wanted to drop the puck like a flower, let it unfold. Mm-hmm. The players are going to dictate to me what I need to do. Yeah. Ideally, I would like them to just play. And one of the things that I always uh, did, and especially with a uh, two-referee system, I would say to the young guy, listen, we've got this matchup tonight. Uh, if they start out hard, and even if there's a little bit of a run, let's let them play it out. As long as the guy keeps his elbows and a stick down and delivers a good hit, even if it's a bit of a longer run, let's let it play out. <clears throat> and the other thing, let's try not to blow the whistle too fast. Yeah. If I can get a three-minute run with no whistles at the start of a game, guys are changing on the fly after their 30- to 40-second yeah. shifts, everybody gets in the game, they take their checks, they give their checks, and as soon as the whistle blows, it's an opportunity for a scrum. Right. Yep. So that sets the tone. It can enhance the flow of the game right off the bat, and it really works, I think, to the advantage of the game and the fans. For sure, yeah. I, I could speak to that, being a fourth-line guy. If there was too many stoppages in that first run or a penalty, you know, like, you know, I'd be like, here it comes, you know, penalty the first three shifts, and then I don't get a shift until, you know, obviously the, the penalty's killed. And then they go through the lineup, you know, yeah. one through three again. You know what I mean? So I'm just like crossing my fingers. Please don't call a penalty. Yeah, yeah right. That. Yeah. Well, to that, Kerry, uh, like, so talking about scrums, which they've been talking about a lot on yeah. TV. So you you played growing up. You were on the you know tougher side of the game, and how did you feel about scrums? Because I felt like obviously I wasn't playing, but. I kind of liked when these guys, especially in a playoff series, as long as nothing dumb's happening, I get you guys don't want to be there all night going, hey, boys, all right, break right. it up. But, like, I felt like the other night in that Florida-Tampa game, hmm. it was like a preseason game because neither team wanted to kind of get involved in that. I heard uh, their Florida's coach say, you know, last year we were too emotional. Well, it, it's an emotional game. Yeah. And I feel like the other night that game just kind of got away from Florida because they had no, like, not yeah. that there's anyone, not, I don't no mean energy, fighting. No confrontation. I don't mean fighting. I just mean Yeah, confrontation, confrontation right. Like, yeah. Perry's going to piss everyone off yeah. on the ice. So is yeah. Maroon, yeah. you know, a big rig. But I just felt like there was nothing in there. I mean, how did you feel about, like, the scrums and that? I think they're a waste of time. <clears throat> and I like guys to play, play fast, play hard. Uh, that's what brings out the excitement and the energy in a game and even the confrontation a scrum is just yapping at one another right it does nothing it's it rough, does nothing yeah. so i would i would uh, after the first or second scrum i put it back on the coaches i would go to the coach on each bench and i'd say i'll tell you what i'm done with the scrums i want you to play if you don't take care of your guys I'm going to call a penalty. It might be on your guys, and I'm going to go have the same conversation with the other guy. It might be his team. I'm only going to pick one. We're not going, you know, even up here. So control them. And often, 99% of the time, the coach would say, you heard him, guys. Right. I said, I've heard, yeah, play I've heard until you. you hear a whistle. Yeah. Yep. And then stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I've heard that a thousand times. Heard you times. say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, during a game before. Yeah, for hard, sure. Hard, hard to do, right? You, you, you hear it come out of the ref's mouth and be like, okay, well, that sounds like a simple concept, but then, you know, in the, in the moment, you know what I mean? Well, I was it's gonna right say, it's an emotional whistle, thing, and you know, too, you, you had that 
in your mind too. So I just I feel like it's got to be hard, especially in you three three. You're in a game seven. I mean, right. God, you ref uh, twelve yeah. finals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the amount of pressure even on you guys in a finals. I oh, mean, yeah. it has to be huge. Yeah, especially I'm, when it's OT close, right. um, close game. My last one, uh, or not my last one, but uh, the one that uh, I often remember is when Ray Bork won the cup in Colorado, game seven against the Devils. And uh, sitting there uh, in the penalty box when all this stuff was going on in the presentation, to be part of it uh, after run through the playoffs, just like for us, for you guys, uh, you want to be there and see it and feel it. And uh, you've you've contributed in some way to it uh, over the course of the playoffs. And and so when Joe Sackett got that cup and handed it to Ray Bork immediately, yeah. it was like, wow, what a class. What a yeah. class. It's an amazing moment. Yeah. So those are the kind of things you remember over the course of your career. Uh, and I remember so much about um, situations that would happen when I, when I see a guy and, and, you know, like Jim McKenzie and, and the, the bizarre kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it was a gift. Our, our careers, guys, were a gift. Yes, 100%. We yep. love what we did, and we got an opportunity to be at the best level and did a lot of amazing things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah agreed. It's a blessing for sure. Yeah. we got to ask you, we, we have you in the studio here, uh, talk about your legendary hair. <laughs> and How do you not have a deal? Yeah. With a shampoo, <laughs> yeah, right. with a mousse, L'Oreal. I know. You know, uh, I, I use Paul Mitchell Friesenshine, and... And uh, for the hard days. Write that, write that down, baller. <laughs> Freezing so shine. <laughs> so in the old Buffalo Auditorium, okay, I, uh, we used to walk right out of the dressing room and yeah. into the crowd, right? Yeah. No security, nothing. So uh, Boston uh, beats uh, the Sabres one nothing in this playoff game. Nothing really happened, I thought, controversial at all. And I walk out, and here's this lady right in my face. She said, Carrie, I got a question for you. I thought, oh, shit, here we go. So I dropped my bag. I said, yes, ma'am, what is it? She said, you skate up and down the ice 100 miles an hour. Your hair never moves. She said, I got a real problem here. What's your secret? (laughs) I said, Paul Mitchell Friesenshine for the windy days. She said, great, I'm going to go buy a case of it. That's awesome. Oh, Friesenshine for the windy days. How how mad were you when they made you go to the helmet? Well, it's a funny story. So I'm negotiating (laughs) with our our executive, uh, the last CBA I worked under. I got our lawyer sitting beside me. First meeting is in New York in the uh, boardroom. Bill Daly, deputy commissioner, great guy. I love Bill. He slid the their first proposal to our, our lawyer beside me with the exception of the last page. Slides it over to me. I look at it. Uh-huh. It says all referees or all officials, regardless of tenure, during the course of this collective bargaining agreement will wear a helmet and a visor. I ripped the page in half. I slid it back. I said non-negotiable. Shows what kind of a negotiator yeah, I am. Yeah, right. I started the season with a helmet. Yes, you did. But yes, there was only did. two of us that didn't wear a helmet at that time. Oh. So you're not going right. to win that one. Yeah, right? yeah, that's true. We we used to have said this before. We, we had Mac T. I think he might have been the last He was, player. yeah. And uh, I used to love, I mean, I was young. It was my one of my first two years uh, in hockey. And uh, we used to send a stick boy, oh, hey, can you go grab 14's helmet? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking asshole. Oh man. We did it all that's the time. Great. Always be well, you know, the, the thing of it is, uh, and I talked to Mac T and, and Gretzky, he wore that little Jaffa. Yeah. yeah. This sounds crazy the way the game is fast and pucks moving and hundred mile an hour plus slap shots. 
I felt that I was more alert, more aware when I wasn't protected. Hmm. Literally. I could see a puck come in slow motion. I, I was really dialed into all of my senses. A shot had come, and I just slip it a little bit. And it, So I'm in Boston, and a guy from Strathroy, Ontario, was built a chest protector, a flak jacket that he wanted me to test. He said, you can, it disperses the energy. You can take one. I said, okay, I'll try it. So I'm in Boston, and Sean O'Donnell was on the blue line for the Bruins on a, a power play. He steps over the red line, and I'm backing in, leading the play in the two-ref system inside the blue line, and he pounds a cross-ice slap shot. And it's coming, and I'm about top of the, the circle. And he's going to do an end around with the pound in. So I think, this one looks pretty good. It's maybe 90, 95 miles an hour, slap shot. It's coming. It's a good height. I square it up. I'm going to take it in the chest just oh. to give it a try. Duh. Oh. So all of a sudden, and I, this is, what, three seconds? No, it wouldn't be even three seconds. It's a second and a half maybe right. to get from the red line to me on a 90-mile-an-hour slap shot. So it's coming, and now it's starting to rise a little bit, and it's coming up, and I, I'm on my toes a bit, and I go, oh, no, too high, too hard. I hit the deck. It brushes my hair, <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, Jack Edwards, the play-by-play -play for Boston, yeah, yeah. Jack goes, and down goes Frazier. Yeah, <laughs> and Gordy Kluzak's the color guy. That would be um, he says, to say that. not a hair out of place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not a hair out of place. But I saw that puck coming slow. Honest to God. It was like, yeah. okay, I'll take this one. Oof. That's incredible. Well, was, there a, was there a story um, as it pertains to that first year you wore a helmet? Did you get hurt? Well, I, I shattered my big toe. Our daughter, Jamie, a lawyer, uh, was doing uh, research, uh, undergrad in marine biology. She was up doing well research uh, in Bar Harbor, Maine. And uh, so she came back home, and she's going to start law school, and she had this big TV. And I'd had knee surgery that uh, that year, that summer. So I'm carrying her, this big old TV down the stairs, and my left knee kind of gave out a little bit, and now I'm going down. Oh, no. And I've, I've got this heavy freaking TV, and I'm saving it as I'm going down the steps, but I jammed my uh, right foot down to grab a step. I had no shoes on. Shattered the big oh. toe. So I, I bounce it down. I save the TV, and I look at my toe as I'm laying there, and it's going this way. So I called my wife, Kathy, down. I said, Kath, I just dislocated my toe. I said, pull it. She said, I'm not pulling that thing. <laughs> I'm pulling. So Harry Dumas, who's yep. got, he's a... He's a uh, emt at the time uh or trained in it and he said no no you don't want to pull that so they took me in the whole joint was shattered there were no shards so thank god it wasn't pulled it might yeah, have come right. off in their yeah, hand so i missed the start of the season and that was when i had to first wear a helmet so tsn did a funny spoof on where's carrie fraser because you because yeah, yeah that's pretty good and and we we shot uh around uh, philly we i went over talked to simone gagne on this uh spoof it's really funny it's uh we'll you can find that ball google it out where's yeah. where's where's referee yeah. carry all around you're you're afraid to wear the helmet exactly oh that's yeah. so good oh that's, that's amazing so funny well anything else you want to plug before we let you go i know you got you're a busy man you got to get rocking well um i you know this this health issue uh that i have uh is a blood cancer and as it turned out um the two flyer equipment and trainer or two athletic trainers uh, have developed the same sort of thing. It's, it's called an MPN, and it's a mutant gene that develops uh, in your bone marrow and causes your platelet count to just continue to build and build and build. It typically happens to people over 50, 
Women are very susceptible to this. So it can be diagnosed with a simple blood test and they can be controlled. Um, the, uh, I could have died with a, the, the platelets gather, collect, create a clot. They go to your heart or your brain and you're done. So um, it's no joke. Uh, if, you, if you don't feel good and I, if your balance is off a little bit, there's all kinds of symptoms, uh, just get a blood test right. and, and that'll detect it. Uh, and there's, there's medication you can take. I take nine chemo pills a week uh, okay. and I have for 40 years. And my platelet count is now in um, to below high range of normal. So. Yeah, I, re- I remember yeah. us. Uh, we were playing in in Montreal. Carrie, <clears throat> you were there doing one of your special exactly. uh, yeah. ref in a game, and it was funny because I came out in the afternoon and I see him walking. I'm like, "Whoa, wait, hey, game ain't started yet." No, no, no. I'm doing, you know, he was yeah, doing right, this uh, yeah. this game, this alumni Fan- type fantasy game. camp. Yeah, yeah, fantasy camp, and uh, we stood there and talked for a few minutes, and he, that was the first time I knew that yeah. uh, he had this situation going on. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a scary situation going on. Uh, for you and, and Sal and Jimmy, and, and uh, we, we spoke about it a few weeks ago. I obviously pray for everyone Yeah, just in that situation. You know, the, the good news is uh, they can control it, yeah. but you have to be diagnosed with it. Yeah, right. right. And a simple blood test, right? I mean, exactly. it's an easy thing to do. Yeah. And I was doing a charity event uh, for cancer um, in Toronto, and they have an outdoor uh, at Woodbine Racetrack. They set up cages for ball hockey, biggest ball hockey uh, thing in the world. And uh, teams the night before, they've raised money over the course of the year, and they get to draft the players that are going to, you know, NHL guys are there. And I was drafted, and the guy said, uh, do you want to coach or do you want to play? I said, coach? Are you nuts? <laughs> and it was like 99 degrees out. It was freaking hot, sun, no, no clouds. So I'm out there and aggressive. I'm battling this guy probably 10 years younger than me in the, in the corner for the ball. I win the battle, bump him off it. I flip it off the cage, boom, now I'm on a, on a break. I'm running down the, the, the concrete uh, parking lot, and uh, I make a pass. We score a goal, and all of a sudden, things were spinning. Oh. I was like, I thought I was just dehydrated. Yeah. And it was, sure enough, I come home, and I was going to get a lipoma uh, fatty cell taken out of my uh, bicep. And, uh, yeah, those... Those aren't really biceps. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ralph. No, 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 no. I got less carry. biceps than you got. Man. <laughs> taken out of the string. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> so uh, that's when the blood test was done, a pre-op blood test, and my GP said, "Man, you you got to we got to get you over to a hematologist." Mm. Wow. So we end up at Fox Chase Cancer Clinic and tests, and uh, you know the uh, the hematologist uh, on the consult. He, uh, he says, well, I, we know what you got. Uh, it's a cancer, blood cancer in the leukemia family. Wife Kathy falls apart. Oh, God. And, uh, you know, our mentality, our, you know, athletic mentality. I said, okay, doc, like, what's the prognosis? He said, well, we can, we don't know what the long-term life expectancy is. It's been fairly newly diagnosed. We have, don't have a cure, uh, but uh, we're, we can try and manage it. I said, okay, you're my captain. You're the captain of this team. I want you to put a team together that we're gonna we're gonna win this thing. We're gonna be right. around as long as possible, and uh, so that's what we've done. And amazing, all's good stuff. Any yeah. anytime you just hear that word, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it just it's. We look great. Yeah, you well, look thanks, awesome. You got great energy. You and your awesome. memory hasn't slipped. So. No, God, no. I uh, I didn't have to take too many in the head. But, <laughs> right. but I got to tell you, I'm involved with the. Uh, uh, it's called Cure C U R E. You can Google it. And they do amazing things. Uh, 
trying to find a cure for this, but also with the patients. And they have taken uh, hikes, uh, the one that the stuff that Jim McCrossin has, they've walked Kilimanjaro, not to the big height, but they take them on these kinds of missions with the doctors they have. And we're going to do one August 7th, uh, 2nd to the 7th for the MPN blood cancer that I have. We're going to do it in Western Canada. Oh, awesome. And they have, we got guides. They provide everything for the cancer patients, flights, the whole deal. And we walk to a base camp. uh, I don't know how many miles they do a day. uh, And everything's set up. You sleep in tents. Uh, the food tent is all set up. Uh, wow, super cool! And they do a documentary on it, so I'm excited about being that's part of that. Really oh, that's cool. awesome! That's really cool. I might be able to get Sal on it and Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. They nice support like system there too, right? You know, just, big time. Yeah, big time. That's huge. Yeah, which is probably a huge piece of battling. Well, it this, is. Right? You know, positive energy. Yeah. So I was diagnosed. I got a call from Bobby Orr. I got a call from uh, Mark Messier. Mess said to me, "Phrase." Never give up the fight. Never, yeah. never stop fighting. Right. I said, you got it. There's yeah. no option. Amazing. Yeah. But really a pleasure to be with you guys. Oh, again. Yeah, we man. Thank you so Likewise. much. I, I think we could sit here all day. Yeah, we have to have <laughs> you come back on for yeah, 2.0. We'll got to get you back on. And I just thought of something, not to put any pressure on you. How cool would it be if he, like, ref the final game of our ball hockey tournament? Oh, yeah. Sure. When is it? No helmet. Ah! Uh, yeah, right. I you don't, don't have to skate or anything. We just, you just have to. I don't wear a helmet when I do the charity events. No, I don't. I do a ton of stuff with uh, Hockey Helps the Homeless, and and we raised a million bucks on Long Island. Uh, Adam Graves and, and uh, Stefan uh, Matteau and uh, Patty LaFontaine, a bunch of guys. Oh, awesome. Colt Knorr. Oh, yeah. And, oh, cool. <laughs> is he? Yeah, and we... Uh, they have a game every, uh, it's Labor Day, every hour for 24 hours. They have a sleep room. I was on the ice like eight, nine hours wow. refereeing games. And typically I put a wireless microphone on. I do play-by-play and tell stories while I'm refereeing these oh, games. Amazing. That's, that's awesome. got to be it's some a gold. Yeah. Yeah. To reunite with you guys, I tell oh, you, man, it's that's just cool. so special. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We really appreciate, we appreciate your time. That, like yeah. I said, we know how busy you are. You got you got things going everywhere, but uh, we got to play golf this summer too. For sure. Man. Absolutely. For sure. Anytime. 100%. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you appreciate so it. much. Stay well, boys. All you right. Too.